0: Short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. It's been, been later. Mr. Gorbachev teared down this. The American people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies.
1: Cold War podcast, or is it the Cold War podcast, Ray? Because we got a review Uh, written by Begpoo, who um, writes, The History of the Altar Conference. This podcast about the history of the Altar Conference is amazing. Following up on their revelatory (laughs) podcast, The Life of Philip of Macedon, and their smash hit, The Life of Virgil's Aeneid, the amazing podcast duo of Ray and Cam tackle the pivotal points of the Yalta Conference. My only moan is that I wish they would do a pod about the whole of the Cold War. That would be amazing. Well,
2: Bravo. fuck you, well Begpoo. Uh,
1: I think Begpoo is, if I remember correctly, our mate Thomas mackett Tommy Mocky. Ah, Tommy, Tommy sure. the Mock. Tommy the Mock, British expat living in... Carolina, North Carolina, South Carolina, one of the some state beginning with the C. Charleston, no. <laughs> you know, the, better than camp. me. I don't know, they all blend into it. I think it's Tommy Mock. He yeah. might not be. If, if if it's not, I apologize for offending both Tommy the Mock and Beg Poo, whoever you may be, but I think that is. Right. Uh, it sounds like his kind of cheeky, cheeky uh, writing well there. Either Martin Darlington or um, Tommy the Mock would write some shit like that. Well, Beg Poo. I got some good news and I got some bad news. (laughs) The good news is we will soon not be talking about Yalta. The bad news is
0: just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in.
1: (laughs) Just when I thought I was out of Yalta. I said to Ray, "Look, we're out of Yalta. That's it, man. I don't care if there's anything else in Yalta. We're not going to do it. We're not. We're done. I'm just going to. will just. Yeah. I'll just skip through the rest of the Yalta conference. It's only one more day. How important can it be?" <laughs> and then I read it and I went, uh, uh, "We can't. Oh shit. We can't really skip that." Uh, I had to take my book
2: out of the trash can. Oh yeah, this happened. Did that happen? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's let's talk about
1: this. One more day of Yalta, kids. That's all. Come on. Hang in there. Gird your loins. Suck it up.
2: That's
1: right. I promise you, Heard and suck. Before today is out, and by today I mean Ray and I sitting down and talking about this for 3 hours, we will in fact right. be out of Yolder. I know it's in my notes. I mean it says we're out, we're gone, we're done. Perfect. But done. We're not quite there yet. <sniffs> now, I promise you when we get to Potsdam in a couple of months, oh, right. We're going to oh, we're going to go through Potsdam like Indian curry <laughs> through a baby. That's how fast we're going to go through Potsdam. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a disgusting. Analogy. You don't even recognize Visual. any
2: uh, buildings or anything on the side. Just zoom, yeah, right by it.
1: Yeah, uh, except for the bit about Truman and the bomb and all. We we'll probably we'll probably have to take some time talking about that. But that's uh, a long a way bit. away. We're going to do bit. the whole Manhattan Project before we get to Potsdam. So don't worry about it. It'll probably be two years before we yeah. start talking about the conference that happened four months later.
2: Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be fun. I have to ask you a quick question. Mm. When you listen to podcasts, Mm. do you adjust the speed? No, but uh,
1: Chrissy does. Yeah, she's. she's, she's, I hear her walking around, and I said, How do you you listen? And she goes, I don't even notice anymore.
0: Yeah. Mm.
2: Well, I mean, I got an email the other day that someone said they did it for us, and I said, like, You know. We try to come across as extremely manly, and then here you are, speeding up our voice, making us sound a little bit like Mickey Mouse. It's just degrading, mm. but I guess mm. I can see their point, mm. you know, mm. as much time as we spend on things. But uh, still, still I, I just find that so odd, because I've never done it before, but I think it's more common than what I believe.
1: Yeah, I think it is. Now, I want to remind everybody, the reason we're doing this is because the Yalta Conference is the start of the Cold War. You've signed up to listen to a Cold War podcast, motherfuckers. Don't blame me. I'm just I'm just telling the story. You don't want to hear the story. Fuck off. Go listen to something else. But seriously, this is where the Cold War started. And uh, if we skip... It
2: was all about customer
1: service. If Fuck we off. skip over this, then... You know, I guarantee Like, a yeah. couple of months down the track, you'd be going, what? 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 What's that all about? What happened? What did I miss? <laughs> like Chrissy watching a film. <laughs> Who's that guy? He's the guy they just explained to you like 10 minutes ago. Wait, really? What? <laughs> like we're watching Game of Thrones. What? What who is he? Yeah. What what just happened? <laughs> what uh, side is he on what, what? Yeah. So anyway, on the morning of February 9th, 1945, yep. The mm, sort of last full day of the conference. The Americans presented a short document entitled Declaration on Liberated Europe.
2: Oh, oh, before we jump into that, just to let everybody know that up to this point... because of Churchill's tenacity and the, I don't think there's any other word for it his bulldogness if you will and along with uh, at, at times FDR's help and at other times Stalin's help I mean he's been able to get some things done and we all know that he's the weakest player uh, who's at the board he has gotten the uh, the per, uh, permission for the French to participate he's gotten uh, Stalin to temporary pull back on his demand for ten billion dollars in reparations uh, and, and yet this thing has not unhinged Yalta it is still going forward the Yalta Spirit is still relatively strong. The United Nations looks like it's going to go forward, and Churchill's looking like he's in a pretty good position thus far. Up until this morning, for when he heads back home for his post-war elections, um, and as far as Poland, uh, you know they're not getting any, anywhere with Stalin, but they do have to continue to work with him to even have a chance to have any say in Poland. So they they recognize this, but so far, Stalin. Excuse me. <clears throat> so far, Churchill has been able to do some pretty good things until the morning of February 9th comes along.
1: All right, back to the first day they- of
2: the altar conference. Where was I at? Ah, oh, so let's just start again.
1: Shut up. The Declaration on Liberated Europe document the Americans presented, very short document, quickly discussed mm-hmm. and approved. It, 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 it received very little attention during the conference, right. but would go on to become one of the major documents of the Cold War.
2: Now, it laid out yeah. how the... Yep, sorry. What? I just wanted to add on to that, uh, about that what you just said. Uh, Henry Kissinger would later write that when it was decided to organize resistance to Soviet expansionism, America did so on the basis of Stalin's failure to keep his word as given at yalta and as the american leaders and public had understood it so like you like you just said uh, this just was given short shrift they say, talked about it they signed it but it will become the basis because it seems that stalin's going to go back on so much based on this one document <laughs>
1: The, you should go into politics, Ray, really. You you have a knack for saying a little without really saying saying a lot without saying anything. Like it's Thank uh, you. you should you should really run for Congress or Senate or something.
2: Stop it, you're embarrassing me. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it.
1: Yeah, oh, that document. Yeah, there's a lot in that document that uh, is just that had a lot, and it was a lot in it. And uh, you know, as we'll see later on, there was a lot in it because uh, when they tried to <laughs> I talk was about it, and Kissinger, they, I thought they quote, there was a lot. His work, yeah, Kissinger's words were Even worthy. you know, people tell me there was a lot in that document, and uh, I think as you'll see, that it had a lot Kissing, in it. Kissinger, my
2: ass. All right, so
1: it laid out how the big three were going to treat the countries that were liberated from the Nazis.
2: hmm Or another way to look at it is it was also... Hoping to, as far as the Americans were concerned, because it started out as an American document, they were trying to prevent the division of Europe into British and Soviet spheres of influence. Obviously, it's going to morph over time and become something else, but that's how it started out. Just trying for the Americans to be realistic about what might happen in Europe with these two, um, you know, land hungry powers after the war. And it was all about,
1: yeah, yeah, self-determination of the people, yeah, yeah, free and fair elections, yeah, yeah, all that usual sort of stuff that the Americans loved. And and just to remind everyone, the reason America loved that in this particular instance is, yeah, they didn't want these countries to end up in the economic zone of the Soviets or the economic zone of the British bloc. They wanted the ability to trade freely in these countries because that was the point of the whole thing. Um, Now, at the time the document was signed, Britain and the Soviets were both openly violating it (laughs) in two of the countries that were liberated from the Nazis, Greece and Poland. And um, we've talked a little bit about the situation in Greece before, but I want to talk about it a little more in this episode. Now, FDR was the guy who put the document together, uh, but he wasn't prepared to back it up with U.S. troops. As we've seen in previous episodes, he had told the other guys, yeah, once this thing is over, man... We're taking our bat and our ball and we're going home. Like, it's been fun, y'all, but, um, you know, we're don't. we we're not keeping troops here. Because, uh, you know, America doesn't do that, Ray. America doesn't no. just keep troops in countries. Uh, except for the troops that they still have in, in Germany, of course, and the troops that they still have in Japan, of course, and, and the troops that they still have at 800 bases around the world. But apart from yeah. that... America doesn't just keep troops in other parts of the world.
2: Right, but at the time, the oh. goal was the America that uh, we all know and love, at the time, was it, it liked to make an appearance, Show so it showed up late at parties, like it did <laughs> during World War II, and had every intention of getting the fuck out, mm-hmm. but obviously coming back and raping everybody economically. But as we're <laughs> going to see, because of Yalta and what comes after that, that is not how it plays out. But I do believe that FDR was sincere as he could be, wanting to get his troops back home because obviously the American people wanted their sons and fathers and uncles and brothers back home with them.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I believe you're right. I believe he was sincere. Just because politically that was kind of the promise. We're going to finish this. war, We're going to bring our boys back home.
2: That's right. Hey, a follow-up question. If you and I discuss something... And we agree on it, mm. and we sign it. Mm. But one of us is currently going against that treaty. Mm. H- have, we haven't broken anything because we just started promising mm. from here on out to adhere to it.
1: Yes. Well, yes, that's so. true. And it, it kind of suggests that the party that signed that is in violation needs to address that violation or redress that violation and, um, you right. know, get the fuck. Oh, I'm sure that's s- going to happen. Stop violating. Um, it's like if, if I'm currently raping your wife and I sign an agreement that I won't rape your wife, but I'm in the middle of raping your wife when I sign it.
2: How, how do you sign? What, with what instrument do you use to sign? uh, My hand, a pen. It's fine. I mean, my hands are free. All right. Um, she's she's tied up and she's tied
1: up and gagged, of course, so she can't fight back. (laughs) Uh... You too? I have to stop. Anyway. I have to stop raping her at some point in the future. That's basically the way these agreements work.
2: So I hope there is a guy. He's coming after you.
1: America. Not America I, thought, Britain, I thought I had it on mute. I'm sorry. Britain was currently raping Greece, and <laughs> they were going to have no, to... No, just,
2: just the communists.
1: Well, yeah. So, anyway... Um, FDR said yeah we 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 we're not going to you know throw any troops at this so I just everyone just promise you know dib 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 dob dob yeah. dob boy scout promise that you will uh, ab- uh you know abide by the declaration right. now there was a bit of propaganda really about the democratic commitment of the grand alliance uh it was part of his attempt to mobilize support for the United Nations back home. Uh, now remember that America didn't get involved in the League of Nations even though Woody, Woody Wilson uh, yeah. proposed the League of Nations after World War one uh, he couldn't couldn't get America to commit and uh, there was still a lot of question at this particular point in time as to whether or not FDR would be able to get the Americans to commit to joining the United Nations. So he's trying to uh, assure everyone back home that his partners in the Grand Alliance are committed to a free and fair Fox News coverage of democratic elections. Fair and balanced is the way he said they were going to run Europe. Now, funnily enough, this Declaration on Liberated Units started life as just the preamble to another document the US State Department had created that was calling for the creation of a European Commission to be run by the big three and maybe France, if they're fucking lucky, which would sort of ensure free elections uh, across Europe. But Frank squashed the idea of the European Commission. Now, why do you think he would have been against the European Commission, Ray?
2: Well, I'm just, you know, he wants to, like you said, he wants to have as much influence in Europe as he can. Yes, he's going to get his troops out of there. But if he can get these guys to tie their own hands by signing this agreement and he can get rid of the European Commission, then the United States, which doesn't really want to have to back that up with military force, can have a lot of influence. FDR doesn't trust the europeans he just certainly doesn't trust any kind of organization if it's just a european commission then his men obviously won't be a part of it he just doesn't trust that he wants everything to be nice and vague so he can work because that's pretty much how fdr operated in a lot of ways he wants he wants to have everything kind of nice and vague and have more understandings than than uh, airtight laws, so he can work his magic afterwards. But for right now, get everybody to commit to it, get them locked in, and then go from there.
1: Anyway, so yeah, he can do magic. Well, I think there's a little bit more about the uh, Frank's desire to kill this idea of a being commission, because if you've got three, if you've got the big three and maybe the big four yeah. running running Europe in perpetuity. Uh, it makes it a lot harder for america to come in and take over europe economically right because you got to it's it's going to be like yalta all over again you're going to be negotiating constantly on making sure that everyone's happy that the soviets get mm-hmm. their bit that the brits get their bit that the french get their bit french. and no one and, and uh, frank doesn't want that he's just like well let's just say oh uh, we're going to just stay the fuck out and then we can move the fuck in I don't know that he had a plan for that necessarily. I'm not sure like the Marshall plan was really conceived at this point in a lot of detail. There probably was some discussion about well this this place is going to be economically fucked. Someone's going to have to solve it I and mean, we're the only ones with any right. money left, so maybe we'll have to solve it and maybe we can figure out a way to do that that's to our benefit. But <clears throat> I think that was the point is we don't want a European commission. We don't want we don't want oversight. We don't want a committee overseeing what happens in Europe. Because that's just going to be too hard for us to get what we want. So let's just. So he killed that idea, even though the State Department pushed it forward. But he liked the preamble because it sounded nice. So he said, we'll keep that bit. We'll keep the preamble because that's pretty. That's that's nice. I like that. It's very nice what you've done there. I like that. Free and fair elections, fair and balanced. Yes, I like it but how, how are we going to monitor that no fuck that don't 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 worry about that bit but we're just going to we just say we all yeah. agree that it's a good idea
2: yeah cuz this thing is going to change forms several times um, and each time it does it just gets watered down all that much more and so by the end they're all signing something but it is not nearly as um as stringent as it was when it first started out but that's sometimes that's the only time uh, kind of document you can get through you know, three different sig- signature signatories. So maybe it had to happen if they really wanted to, to get something signed.
1: And a document calling for free and fair elections. Who do you think is going to have the biggest problem with that?
2: By instincts, no, no, the textbooks tell me Stalin, but I'm guessing to go against that, and it's going to be one of the other two.
1: Yeah, oh, here we go. Yes, it was Premier Churchill. Yes, Churchill (laughs) was not happy with this document at all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like this. Yeah. What do you mean? Um, um, Free and fair elections? Apparently, Frank said that the declaration—the dec- de- declaration—would <laughs> apply to any areas or countries where needed, as well work. as to Poland. Mm. Mm, mm. Mm, Churchill was like, "I'm mm, mm, <clears throat> sure you don't mean this could apply to Greece." Yeah. I haven't done Churchill for a month. I mean, it feels good to get back into Churchill's skin. Mm. Of... <sighs> I like it. Yes, <laughs> never before. In the field of human conflict, has so much been owed by so many to my penis? Um, he, uh, he was worried that it would apply to Greece, uh, of course, and uh, he was like, Well, no, no, look, it applies to everyone else, but not me, not me, <laughs> <laughs> Um,.
0: <laughs>
2: So might- but it does have a part that, like you, I think you said this earlier, but there, there's a part that references the Atlantic Charter. Obviously, he was the co-author of that. So right away, he thinks it, yeah. it's a gun pointed at him and his, yeah. you know, his country's lifestyle. He has to do yeah. something about
1: that. When you say co-author, like Frank wrote it and held a gun, he's a bit like Luca Brasi. <laughs> he had Luca Brasi hold a gun to <laughs> Churchill's head and tell him that either his signature or his brains would be on the document <laughs> like by the end what- of the deal,
2: right? Little little known historical fact, when Churchill signed that, he purposefully misspelled his name so legally, technically, he is not bound by its terms.
0: That's not true. Well, when Johnny was first starting out, he was signed to this personal service contract with a big band leader. And as his career got better and better, he wanted to get out of it. Now, Johnny is my father's godson. And my father went to see this band leader. And they offered him $10,000 to let Johnny go. But the band leader said no. So the next day, my father went to see him, only this time with Luca Brazzi. And within an hour, he signed a release for a certified check of $1,000. How'd he do that? My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. What was that? Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head, and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on the contract. That's my family, kid. It's not me.
2: Yeah, that's not you, Michael. (laughs) He just sounds like a good businessman to me, that's all. That's all I hear.
1: You know, I mean, I'm sure you know. I'm sure everyone knows, but when like when they were shooting The Godfather, and they cast uh, and Coppola cast Al Pacino. Um, and for the kids out there who don't know, Al Pacino was a complete unknown. He'd made a couple of small films, but he's a complete unknown. Studio wanted a big uh, superstar. They wanted Robert Redford to play uh, 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 Michael Corleone, and, and, and Coppola yeah. cast Pacino. And um, that scene, the wedding scene, was the first uh, thing that he shot. And really? um, when the studio saw the dailies, the rushes, they were like, "No, you got to fire this kid. He's hope." You look at that scene; he underplays it so much. He, right. he, you know, he 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 he's speaking sort of in this soft monotone. There's no emotion. Now, and Pacino, of course, knew what he was doing. He knew that he was going to start. The character was going to start off as this quiet, shy, yeah. reserved. Uh, guy and by the end of it was going to be the you know complete fucking badass and that you would see the progression but the studio you know the, Robert Evans those guys didn't get it and LA like fire anyway you go back and you watch it now like just yeah you know, when, when 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 you know Pacino in the 21st century is hoo ha yeah I don't know I everything's like this I, I, I he cut, got go to the bathroom Well I'm talking like
2: this it in. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, You you go back and you watch Pacino in his younger days, man. It's just like the master of understatement he was, anyway. Right. Right. How did we get to that? Oh, yeah, the Atlantic Charter. (laughs) Luca Brasi and the Atlantic Charter. Um, So, um, yes, Churchill was worried uh, that it would apply to Greece. Now, as you may remember, the, the British had been actively supporting the King of Greece against communist rebels after the Nazis had been kicked out of the country. Now, Molotov mm-hmm. suggested an amendment that said support will be given to the political leaders of those countries who have taken an active part in the struggle against the German invaders, which... That sounds fair. Yeah, which would allow, of course, Moscow to legitimize its support for communists in any country under its control, like, for example, the Lublin Poles. Right. And that would have included Greece, but uh, Churchill got all defensive. Sorry, you want to say something?
2: yeah. No, I just want to say there's the moment right before that where Eden says um, he wants to add a proposal saying France should be added as a signatory. And there's some going back and forth and Stalin finally, you know, Stalin pretty much lays it on the line. And he goes, three are better than four. And um, I I don't know where that accent came from. But Eden's like, I don't understand. So Stalin gets up, walks over to him and just really quickly kicks him in the nuts three times. And he goes, would you like a fourth? Mm. No. See, three are better than four
1: you gotta hand it to stalin but, he knew how to make a point
2: yeah. <laughs> with those big russian boots on but yeah so 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 right away the british are still trying to bring france in stalin is cutting them out now let me ask you this real quick i uh, you're about to go on but <sighs> stalin has been pushing from day one if you did not help get rid of the germans you should have no say so I'm wondering how much of that he sincerely believes versus it's just politically uh, advantageous for him to say that because, obviously, Russia did more than anybody else. I just really wonder, is it just a a platitude for him just because he he benefits from it?
1: Oh, I think it's a bit of both. I think he wants to keep the numbers at the table as low as possible because every... uh, everyone else that's at the table is someone else that he needs to fight against. You know, France is obviously uh a capitalist country at this stage. Mm-hmm. You know, they they they've um going to be they're going to they 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 have an alliance with with England. They're probably going right. to vote uh however England wants them to vote. Um you know, we know that that's certainly the way the British. This is why Churchill is fighting to get France a seat at the table. Stalin knows that as well as the Brits know that. So um, I think his rationale on the surface, if they didn't help, they don't get a say, is fine and makes sense. Hard to argue with. The others couldn't really argue That's with it. true. But the flip side is, yeah, he just wants to keep, his, keep the numbers down as low as possible so he has as much control as possible. The more people you add, the more yeah. fucking fighting, negotiating, the, the more votes they have. So, yeah, I think it works on multiple levels. Anyway, let's not get let's yeah. not get bogged down in France in or out. We've talked about that till the cows come home. Um, let's let's talk about Greece and uh, this whole deal here. So Molotov says, you know, let's let's give support to anyone who's helped. Um, now Churchill gets all defensive here and says he wants to include in the minutes of the meeting a copy of his interpretation of the Atlantic Charter, the one that he provided to Parliament back when they signed it in 1941. And, you know, the the short version, I've got the short version here of his interpretation but, is, yeah, that doesn't apply to us. Yeah. Um, that was his short version. Uh, <laughs>
2: Yeah, Why do you need an interpretation of something you signed? Self, self-determination for all peoples, <laughs> unless they're part of the British
1: Empire, then, you know, obviously, fuck them. But everyone else, everyone else's right. empires... It applies to just uh, not us, because we're good guys, you know. We we only yeah. uh, invade and uh, occupy uh, the people who who love being invaded and occupied, <laughs> <laughs>
2: and they benefit so much from it. They we're going to go into that later, but that is yeah. always pissing off. But anyway. You go,
1: you go and ask anyone. We've invaded and occupied for the <laughs> last hundred years, and if they love us. Go, just go and ask yeah. him, you know. No, the fact that we have a massive army there doesn't matter. The fact that we, we kill everyone who disagrees with us doesn't matter. Just go and... Yeah. No, that's, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Just go. go ask. Yeah, just anyway. go. So Stalin speaks up. He says... <clears throat> uh, shit, what's my Stalin voice? Wodka. The Prime Minister need have no anxiety that Mr. Molotov's amendment was designed to apply to Greece. He remarks... Like boom, just throw it out there, and he don't like. It, it's like Voldemort. You're not supposed to mention Greece at the you table. You don't say
2: the name.
1: Yeah, he he who must not be named. Star, I love this. Stalin just he's like he's just fucking with Churchill so much. He just throws it on the table. <laughs> oh, don't worry, we didn't we didn't mean you, my friend. When we said there's some fat uh, people who look like we need a poo around the table, we're not talking about you. Don't worry. No, 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 don't no. Don't take no. it personally, my friend. <laughs> to your face, sir. Um, Churchill shot back that he wasn't worried. He just yeah. merely desired that everybody should have a fair chance and
2: do his duty. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm not that? worried. Uh, I, I look nervous. I sound nervous. And I make you nervous. But uh, I'm, I'm not uncomfortable at this moment.
1: I, I always sweat like this. I'm a fat man.
2: <laughs> fat men sweat.
1: Um, I glisten. <laughs> now he said the British didn't want a joint allied military command in Greece but welcomed <laughs> observers right. you can come and look and watch how we're fucking killing the communists just but anything uh, else, stay, out of, stay out of the way right, right, right. and he promised the British would leave the country when peace had been established Aww. which basically means when, when we've killed everybody who disagrees <laughs> with us and, you know, weaponized the king's
2: military, right. of course we'll leave. <laughs> I think that was King Peter II. Yeah, once we kill all the communists and the monarchy's back in charge, and let's face it, it's easier to deal with one king than several communists, we will leave because by then we will, our troops will not be needed. So, yeah, very tongue-in-cheek there, and, and obviously they've mm-hmm. done it before for, for hundreds of years.
1: hmm So <clears throat> Stalin, though ends the discussion by saying he had complete confidence in the British policy in Greece. (laughs) I have complete confidence, my friend. You don't don't worry. I trust you. You trust me. I look
2: the other way. You look the other way. (laughs) So he fucks with him and then he ends the conversation, but at the same time reminding him of our wink, wink deal.
1: Yeah. The old percentages deal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. brilliant.
1: Yeah. So he's saying, look, I, I, I'll look the other way with Greece. you, And obviously you will look the other way with Poland and Romania and anywhere else that I I want to do whatever the fuck I want to do. Now, <clears throat> this is important, and this is why we're, we're going to the trouble of talking about this again, kids, is because, as you will see in future episodes, the whole treatment of Poland thing blows up very, very fucking quickly. Within weeks of Yalta, it blows up massively and becomes a big shitstorm. But here we have the basis of the deal. We've you know, we've talked about Poland and and you know, they've left it sort of wishy washy a little bit about how they're gonna form a new government there. The Brits and the Yanks were pushing for you're gonna you're gonna integrate the London polls into the government and they were like, listen, we will expand yeah. the government in some way. it'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> don't worry about it, my don't friends worry. have, have <laughs> more Beluga caviar and vodka. It's all good. but yeah. here is Stalin is is literally in 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 the last plenary session really of the older conference he's saying, listen, um, I will turn a blind eye to Greece, wink wink. You know, uh, and they all went with it. Churchill was like, yeah. whew, so I dodged that fucking bullet. <laughs> Let's move on. And then, but they'll come back and they'll bitch about Stalin's treatment of Poland later on. But right. just, rem- I, I, want, I want everyone to remember that this is, you know, they kind of gave a tacit approval mm. during the this last plenary session.
2: And even more than that, they knew the two Western leaders didn't even have a choice. So they're going to Mm -hmm. give tested approval, but they know in their heart of hearts, they have they have no choice. I'm looking at a map real quick of uh, what Russia occupied in Eastern Europe, and I'm going to put it on the Facebook page. But, I mean, you've got Belarusia, you've got Poland, you've got Czechoslovakia, Hungary, uh, Yugoslavia, Romania, Bulgaria, and Albania. I mean, they pretty much control all of the Balkans except for Greece. And so Churchill has every right to be nervous. But at the same time, this is a done deal. Poland is, you know, squ- right in the middle of this, Stalin owns it, he controls it, and he knows it, but he's still going to mess with uh, Churchill every once in a while. Every time Churchill brings up Poland, he's going to bring up Greece, and you know, just that tit for tat is going to keep Churchill in, hopefully, in his place.
1: Mm. So, uh, just remember that uh, when they bitch later on uh, about you know the spirit, because you'll one of the things you'll hear a lot is Stalin obeyed the letter of the agreement, but not the spirit of Yalta. <laughs> the spirit of Yalta becomes a big thing. The spirit of Yalta, yes. but th- to me, this is the spirit of Yalta. I- I'll look, a- I'll turn a blind eye if you turn a blind eye. That was the spirit yeah. of Yalta, <laughs> and let's just try and and let's all try and get along. I, I think that's really the spirit right. of Yalta. Let's all try and get along, but turn blind eyes where we need to. Let's put out. Fluffy-sounding statements about <laughs> fair and balanced. But really, let's just turn a blind over. We need to. Now, just to recap and, and to update folks with some of the stuff that's happened in Greece. Um, the, the Nazis and the Italians have been chased out of Greece. When the British troops landed in there, they launched a war against the Greek communists, the EAM and the ELAS, who were trying Ooh. to overthrow the monarchy. Now, the Greek communists had played a very significant role in kicking the nazis and the uh, italians out i think they had like 50,000 right. uh, troops yep. the communists in greece they they very very well organized resistance um and you would think that if if they played such a big role in 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 kicking the nazis and the italians out they should have a say on the future direction of the country but no um, no. They did do a deal in the early months after the liberation of Greece. They did a deal with the the British and the the King uh, to see how it went. It didn't go well. They arced up a couple of months later and said, "No, no, no, no. We don't like where this yeah. is going." The British came in and with the support of and supported the Greeks to crush. The uh, the communists who were trying to, uh, yeah. you know, replace the monarchy and the right wing government yeah. with more of a left wing government.
2: Yeah. Now, Churchill was actually trying to be a little bit clever because he knows he's going against Stalin in May of 1944. They signed the Eden-Gusev deal, uh, which you know gave Britain a certain amount of freedom uh, in Greece, obviously to try to help get rid of the uh, Germans and the, and the Italians. But as you said, they were uh, they were on their way out. But this is the good part for me. In October of 44, while Churchill and Eden are in Moscow talking to Stalin and Molotov, British paratroopers come down. They enter in Athens, and they're trying to make this deal permanent. And as you said, they're going to end up bringing large guns, bombers and tanks in here to get rid of the greek pro-communist forces that are trying to get rid of the king and set up a a certainly more representative government but as we're going to see the british have to control the mediterranean it is an economic lifeline for them greece is just a very important part of that so greece cannot at any cost be lost to anyone who doesn't get along with the british because they have to before the war the mediterranean was a british pond it has to that way afterwards for economic reasons and so they will they will not there's there's no gesture too far that they won't go to secure greece because it's a matter of economic life and death for them
1: yeah exactly so this free and fair and uh, democracy bullshit is good for the good for the folks where we don't have economic interests uh, well we've got economic interests uh, yeah. a little bit yeah a bit. Yeah. Now, in December 1944, just a couple of months before Yalta, Churchill telegraphed the British military commander in Athens, General Ronald Scobie. Good name. Uh, Scooby-Doo, they referred to him <laughs> as. Scooby-Doo.
2: Yoinks! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now you got to do Churchill doing Scope. Anyway, go
1: ahead. <laughs> Churchill sent him a telegraph saying, Do not, however, hesitate to act as if you were in a conquered city with a local rebellion in progress. We have to hold and dominate Athens. It would be a great thing for you to succeed in this without bloodshed if possible, but also with bloodshed. If necessary.
2: Damn. Damn.
1: In other words, translated, don't, don't don't worry if you have to, you know, shoot some fuckers. It's all right, man. Um, Churchill later admitted that when he composed this, he had in mind the telegram sent to British authorities in the 1880s by the chief secretary for Ireland, the legendary Arthur James Balfour known for the Balfour Declaration about Palestine. The telegram included the words famously, don't hesitate to shoot. So Churchill was like, oh oh, oh. Oh, yes, that's quite (laughs) funny. I like that. Don't hesitate to kill (laughs) some fuckers if you have to. It's
2: fine with me. How is that your excuse? Look, when I wrote you, funny story, I was thinking about the 1880s when another guy told another guy to go ahead and fucking wipe them out if you have to. I mean, how is that your justification that I was thinking of a much bloodier time when I wrote this? So don't blame me. Blame the thoughts in my head or the examples from generations past. Yeah,
1: it's an homage, dude. Like, uh, you know, like Tarantino makes... Movies that are an homage to westerns or Hong Kong action films. I was just an homage to Balfour. Come on, I didn't yeah. expect you to take it seriously when I said go and shoot some Jeez. fucking people.
2: Um, and, and a lot of people end up dying. And, and we're obviously we can't go into it, but a lot of people, a lot of innocent people, and people oh, we're who were fighting against the British. Oh, we are. Oh, okay, oh, we're going. A lot into of it. people are fucking killed. Okay, please go into it.
1: So, on December 3rd, 1944, the Greek police, with support from the British, opened fire on a group of 200,000 peaceful protesters outside Greek Parliament in Athens. Uh, 28 civilians, mostly young boys and girls, were killed. Hundreds were injured. Two days later, uh, Scooby-Doo imposed martial law and Mm -hmm. the following day ordered the aerial bombing of the working-class districts of Athens.
2: Damn. A British oh, yeah. British,
1: yeah. Uh, and Greek government forces used British tanks, aircraft, and army to burn and bomb houses and streets to crush the protests. Jeez. Um, so first... Us- mm.
2: No, just, just, I mean, these Greek people, for anybody who's listened to that part of my World War II podcast, you have an idea of what the people went through when the Germans, the, first the Italians, then the Germans came in, after years, they're being pushed out, and now the fucking British are doing the same thing, for, for the same reason, they just have a different uniform on.
1: Exactly. Damn. Now, again, I want people to remember this when, when we get to criticism of the Soviets and Poland. This is what the British were doing during the fucking Yalta Conference. This was going on in Greece, the, the crushing of the communist forces. Um, so the hypocrisy here is mind-blowing. Um, mm. Now, the funny thing is, Well, it's not funny, but um, according to one Greek eyewitness, the British even set up sniper nests on top of
2: the Acropolis. Oh, bad form.
1: And he wrote this eyewitness, or he said in an interview I read, not even the Germans did that. They were firing down on EAM targets. This is the British. But we didn't fire back because we didn't want to harm the monument.
2: Ah, oh, smart.
1: Smart. are smart. No, evil. the Brits. Yeah, I know, well, yes, yeah. Yeah. smart yeah. and yeah. evil. Um, yeah. But it seems, according to some of the diaries that have survived, that the British soldiers, at least some of them, and officers, didn't even seem to know who they were fighting. Yeah. There are surviving diaries and letters from British soldiers and officers who were in Athens who seem to have believed they were still fighting Nazis or Nazi-backed forces. Um, They will say, oh, yes, uh, we're killing the Hun. Um, They didn't even know they were fighting Greek communists. Um, So there you go.
2: Now... Now I'm sorry, I was just going to add to that. So a lot of this, a lot of this fighting intensifies in December 44. On January 6th, uh, the British ambassador to the United States. Uh, to Lord Halifax told his government that the U.S. president said, look, we appreciate what you're doing in Greece. We know you're trying to quell the, the communists. Forget freedom for a second. But um, but you're not doing a very good job of bringing the American opinion along with you. And as America has taken over as, as the power in the world, you know, Britain has to consider that. But again, um, the, the, the American government understands what's going on, but the American people don't like it because rightly so, it seems a bit over the top and it seems a bit cruel for these people who are just trying to fight to have some kind of say in their government.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the the British actions in Greece were roundly condemned by the press in America mm-hmm. and England at the time. Uh, but they didn't really give a shit. Um, and, you know, the one country where they weren't condemned was Russia. Huh. <laughs> British are killing communists in Greece. The Russian press, Pravda mostly, uh, doesn't make a big deal out of it. Why? Wow. You would think they'd be up in arms about communists getting killed. But Stalin was abiding by the percentages agreement. Okay, He's a
2: man of his word.
1: Alt- yeah, Stalin, a man of his word. that's how he should be remembered. <laughs> he is like, well, I Sometimes. said i would I said I would turn blind eye, so blind yeah. eye I must turn now, and uh, I'm sure it'll all work out okay in the end <laughs> and now, I'm sure I'm sure Churchill <laughs> will give me full credit for turning blind eye. <laughs>
2: I get to big hug when we meet again. I get to big hug. No, but Scobie's uh, Churchill's order to Scobie was re- re- leaked to the press, which obviously added a lot of fuel to the fire. Now we know better. Churchill could have just simply turned to the cameras and yelled "fake news," but he didn't. And so, uh, yeah, he said, so public support was zero. But like you said, it did matter. Britain has to control Greece for, for economic survival.
1: Now, this whole event in Greece is known as the Dekemvriana, the December events, um, and the uprising or the crushing of the uprising, really, happened mm-hmm. uh, just a few days after Yalta. Uh, thousands yeah. had been killed, and then after the uprising or the protests or whatever you want to call it had been crushed, the Greek army, again with the support of the British, went around and rounded up 12,000 communists and threw them in concentration camps
2: jeez
1: Uh, a truce was signed on the 12th of February two days after Yalta concluded Right, and that though began another chapter in Greek history known as the White Terror where anyone of being associated with the communists was sent to concentration camps
2: That reminds me of uh, during the Yalta conference um, when the Greek crisis um, was, you know, not flaring up at that particular moment. Stalin asked Churchill to describe the situation in Greece. And Churchill was pretty honest about it. He goes, look, I don't want to ruin your appetite before dinner. I don't think you would like what I have to say. But Stalin's like, no, no, come, you know, come tell me. So um, so um, Churchill, to the best of his ability, gives him a a rosy picture of what's going on. But again, this is just uh, Stalin just reminding him, you know, over and over and over again of our deal. He's just going to keep bringing it up to humiliate Churchill, but also to remind him to stay the hell out of Poland because that's the deal we have.
1: Yeah. Um, So the White Terror uh, in itself led to the Greek Civil War, which started a year later in 1946. But of course, this isn't how Churchill presented it to the public. He got up in the House mm-hmm. of Commons on January 18th, 1945. So in the middle of the Decembriana, And he said, <clears throat> It has fallen to the hard lot of Britain to play a leading part in the Mediterranean. We have great responsibilities and we have made great exertions there. We have one principle about liberated countries, or repentant satellite countries, which we strive for according to the best of our ability and resources. Here is the principle. I will state it in the broadest and most familiar terms. Mm-hmm. Government of the people, by the people, <laughs> and for the people, set up on the basis of of free universal suffrage, elections with secrecy of ballot and no intimidation. That is, and that has always been, the policy of this government in all countries. Somebody said, "Uh, hold on, one of the aboriginals (laughs) in Australia have a vote. Shut up. Shut (laughs) the fuck up, you
2: motherfucker. (laughs) He had one hand behind his back and his fingers crossed, so it's okay. What about the Indians? Shut up. Have that man arrested (laughs) now. He goes on. Send him to India.
1: It is not only our aim and in our interest. It is our only care. It is to that goal that we try to make our way across all difficulties, obstacles, and perils of the long road. Trust the people. Make sure they have a fair chance to decide their destiny without being terrorized from either quarter or regimented. There is our policy for Italy, for Yugoslavia, and for Greece. No other interest have we than that. For that we shall strive, and for that alone.
2: How does that register on the bullshit meter?
1: Oh, I think that's uh, off the charts on the bullshit meter. Um, No intimidation. Then why are you <coughs> shooting people and putting them in concentration camps? Well, I, 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 I've been shot at. I didn't find it intimidating at all. I don't know what you're talking about. That's just good now, good old British fun.
2: Let, let, me, let me try to defend Churchill. Let me try to get inside his head. If the communists take over, then it's going to be like Russia. You're going to have some commissars running everything. No, this is falling apart really quickly.
1: So, okay, we know he doesn't like the Communists, but he's replacing him with a hard right monarchy, which was more in their interests. Just, it's just this whole thing about no intimidation, freedom is bullshit. Complete and utter right. trash. But right. you know that's the lesson, I guess, out of all of this is don't believe what they tell you. believe what they do. Don't. don't right. listen to the words. look at what they do. There's always, the propaganda level. You need to look beyond and and actually analyze the behavior, not the, the 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 PR.
2: And Churchill said more than once, "We welcome observers." But from what I can find, I mean, there were there were press people from the press in there, but I don't think there were official American or whatever um, observers. So again. Churchill can say whatever he wants about Stalin, who flat out will not let anybody in. At least Churchill's—you know—he's—he's—he's he's, uh, he's talking the talk. But again, it's—it's it's the same result. People are dying. People are being suppressed, and it's—it's it's for someone else's uh, betterment. So it, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Now,
1: <clears throat> I'm not suggesting that that democracy isn't high or wasn't high on the agenda of guys like. Churchill and Roosevelt I think they mm-hmm. did like democracy As long as it didn't get in the way Of their own interests In the case of Churchill The interests of the empire
2: Right, I can see I,
1: that I think that's the thing to understand Is they, they do value democracy within reason Democracy is great If it yeah. suits your interests Where it doesn't suit your interests Take the United States today and their relationship with Saudi Arabia, which we've talked about at length on our um, Bullshit Filter series. You know, Saudi Arabia is as far from a democracy as you can get. It's a family uh, monarchy that's been in place for a couple of hundred years, brutal to the extreme, great, great friends of America. Why? Because it suits their interests. And this is the the lesson um, that we all need to understand. Despite the rhetoric about freedom and democracy that you get from politicians in the West. What they really care about is their interests, the the economic and security interests of their country, exactly as Stalin was, and I'm sure Putin is today. Uh, This is what the leader of every country is concerned about. What are the security and economic interests? And and all of the the, the nice-sounding statements that you need to make in your speeches, uh, mean nothing. What what you really care about at the end of the day is your economic and security interests.
2: Yes, everything else is bullshit. And and not that we have to end here, but just speaking of the Middle East of Saudi Arabia in general, FDR is going to let them know that he has got to skedaddle because he's got to see a man about a about a camel. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Frank said, "Uh, oh, <clears throat> oh listen, uh this is this conversation about Greece is really interesting and everything, but but I uh, <clears throat> but I have to say. I have to go. I'm going. Bye. I'm I'm leaving tomorrow. And tomorrow I'm rolling
2: away. Rolling. I shall be gone.
1: I shall be leaving on a jet plane tomorrow and they <laughs> said, "You mean a boat?" Uh, oh yes, boat, plane, whatever. I'm getting the fuck out of here because um well, I have things to do, you see. Ah, yes. And they were like, seriously, we're not even close to finish uh, nailing all of this down. Well, I'm sorry, but I have to go. <laughs> I'm Audi. I'm Audi 3000. Um, and that's literally uh, what happened. He said, I'm going tomorrow. I've had enough. And took them all by surprise. And they were like, seriously, dude, like, what is more important than this? Yeah, and he well, said, well, "Well, lots of things, um, lots of things. I, <laughs> I have to go I have meetings, I have commitments. <laughs> All
0: right. An iron curtain has descended across the continent."